Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Oh man, I love that song. And it's just an incredible song. And I think the cool thing I love about it, it's the story of a believer. Thank you guys. You can be seated. Um, it's the story of a believer, and um, they are in the midst of a battle. And the reason why we know this is because he makes reference to the battle of Jericho. The first opening line of the song is, I've been walking around these walls. I thought by now they would fall. I mean, how many times have we felt that? It's just incredible imagery that he does right there. And he's imaging um, the battle of Jericho where the children of Israel marched around the wall and it fell down. They were able to, to conquer it. But the climax of the song does not come with God defeating the believer's foe. The climax of the song comes with the believer coming to trust that God will take care of them no matter what they're seeing. Because God has shown up before and he'll show up again. I mean, I think that's a great reminder for each of us to have that. It's a great song in those times where we're kind of struggling with things to be able to pull up and listen to. Well, my name is Sean, by the way. I'm the executive pastor here at Brazos Fellowship. And if you were joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you and thank you so much for being here. Pastor Will will be back next week, and he's going to be kicking off a brand new series called, what's it called, Corey? Yourself. Thank you. Man, you're going to learn why I do that here in a second. But Yourself. And, but here's the deal, the cool thing about, the story, about what the, the series is all about, is that sometimes we need to check ourselves and see how we're doing. In every vehicle and every machine that we have, there's a light and indicator that comes on when things aren't going well. And we don't always read the signs when things aren't going well for us. And so we're going to be looking into that. He's excited about it. You should be too, and I hope you join us to be a part of it. Well, I want to start off today by asking you a question. Have you ever wrestled with God? And that may sound like a trick question here in church, but I'm going to tell you right now, I wrestle with God all the time. And I'm not talking about like, you know, like uh, little bitty things. No, I'm talking about like, are you even there? I'm talking about like, if you're there, do you even care? And that's the type of down and dirty, like get in the mud kind of wrestling I'm talking about. And I've done it many, many times in my life. I've wrestled with God over my kids. I've wrestled with God over my profession. I've wrestled with God over this church. First time I ever started wrestling with God, I was in first grade. And I got diagnosed with dyslexia. And that's why I couldn't remember the name just a second ago. If you don't know what dyslexia is, let me explain to you. So when you learn, when you read, there's parts of your brain that light up. If you're not dyslexic, it lights up, and that's how you read. When a dyslexic reads, on a, it, it's black. It's a black hole, okay? And so other parts of the brain have to learn how to do those tasks that your brain does in a, in a normal area. So it takes a really long time to learn how to read, learn how to spell. And man, in school, I, it, it was just turmoil. I hated it. I felt isolated. I felt alone. Man, I, 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 it was the worst. School was the worst for me. And this went all the way through elementary, junior high, high school, into college. And man, I used to pray every day, God, please take this away from me. Please heal me of this. Never happened. And what I've found is when we wrestle with God, it's usually because something happens in our life that we weren't prepared for. All of a sudden, we're moving along, everything feels great, and then bam, 
Something gets introduced into our life. Something changes in our life. And we have a hard time seeing what the future could hold. Because what we thought it could hold was not possible. It does not look like it can happen. And this causes us to get angry. It causes us to get scared. It causes us to have bitterness. It causes us to have rage. And it causes us to have fear. If you're going through any of those things right now, I want you to know you're not alone. I've been right where you are. We're going to look at a story today about a guy who's been exactly where you are as well, and that guy's name is Jacob. If you want to turn over in Genesis to Genesis 32, that chapter, we're going to be uh, there uh, for our time today. But let me kind of give you a backstory on Jacob. Because Jacob is a really interesting guy. He is a pivotal uh, figure in the Bible that we need to know about. So Jacob was the youngest twin son of Isaac. And Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham had been promised that God would bless him, and he would also bless the world through his descendants. That blessing got passed down to Isaac, and then Isaac was, should have passed it down to his oldest son. All right, But he didn't because Jacob was sneaky, and Jacob tricked his dad into giving him the blessing that his brother should have received. Now, just think about it. If you were the older brother, how would you feel? This is a major blessing from God. They had seen how much Abraham had been blessed. They had seen how much their father had been blessed. And what should have been his was now given to his younger brother. And he's mad. And he vows, I will kill you, Jacob. And Jacob runs. Jacob gets out of there. He's like, I can't stick around. So he runs to his mother's family, and he finds shelter in his uncle's house, and there he marries his two cousins. That was legal back then. It's still in Arkansas, so we shouldn't bother with it. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's new. Maybe it's not anymore. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. But so when we get past that hangup, man, but Jacob was blessed in his uncle's home, so much so that he became wealthier than his uncle. And this kind of ticked his uncle off, and it ticked his uncle's son's off. And God comes to Jacob one day and says, hey, you need to go home. And Jacob says, I don't want to do that. And the only thing that drove him home was that his father-in-law was like, oh, I think you need to go home too because I will kill you if you don't go home. So he runs out of there and he runs back home. But when he's running home, he's running in fear. He's got his father-in-law that's chasing him and he's running into what he feels like is going to be his death with his brother. And this is where we pick up the story. In the first part of this chapter, we see this prayer that Jacob says, and I'm not going to read it, it's on your notes, but this is what it basically says is this, God, how can I trust you? I know you've told me that I was going to be blessed, but I don't know if I can trust you because nothing in my life right now is saying that what you told me can happen. So I don't know if I can trust you. And this is where we join the story. And this is... It, uh, Genesis 32, starting with verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent, them, uh, he sent over all his possessions. So here's what basically is happening. So Jacob knows tomorrow he's going to see his brother. And so he sends his family away because he needs to figure out if God can be trusted. He needs to get alone with God. And he needs to find out if he can trust God. 
And it doesn't matter what has happened before him. He now has to figure out on his own. Because you cannot know God can be trusted with someone else's faith. It doesn't matter what God had done for Abraham, his grandfather. It doesn't matter what God had done for Isaac. He had to know, what is God going to do for me? What's the relationship he's going to have for me? And this is what we got to do. We've got to find out our own relationship. And I can't find that off the back of my parents' faith. I can't find that off my spouse's faith. I can't find that off my kids' faith or my small group's faith. I have to find out for myself, who is God? And can I trust him? So it goes on and says this. So Jacob uh, was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now he's going to figure out this man is God, but he goes to wrestle with God. Now that doesn't sound very spiritual, like we should be wrestling with God. But I want to tell you something. God's okay with it. God wants it. He didn't have to go find the man. The man was waiting there for him. So what is wrestling with God? Let me paint you a picture. Have you ever seen a little child who's scared to death and they want to run? But the parent knows if they run, they're going to get hurt. They're going to run into a situation that they can't handle. They're going to run into something really bad. And so what does the parent do? They wrap their arms around that child. The child doesn't understand. The child is scared. And so the child is kicking. The child is screaming. The child is hitting. The child is biting. The child is doing everything they can to get away from the parent. The child is wrestling. The parent is holding. You see, when we step into the ring with God, we're wrestling. God's holding. You think God minds holding you? No. Because here's the deal. Wrestling with God brings us intimately close to him. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be intimately close with him. Think about the act of wrestling. You cannot wrestle someone unless you get eye to eye, connect with them. It is an intimate action. And I don't care what brings you into the ring to wrestle God. I don't care what exterior problem you're facing. Whatever crisis has brought you there, whatever fear you're going through, it doesn't matter what brings you into the ring. All I know is when you get into the ring, you'll have to answer three questions. And those three questions are this. Is God good? Oh, it seems so simple. Oh, yeah, God's good. Is he good whenever your child gets sick? Is he good whenever a loved one dies before they're supposed to? Is he good when 50 people get killed in a mosque for no reason? Is God good? See, if we don't answer this question, if we don't get to seriously know that we can stand on this, that God is good, every time a tragedy pops up, your fear will make you believe that God's not good. It will lie to you. So you've got to wrestle with is God good? And maybe that's not a problem for you. Maybe you know deep down in your own, you know God is good. You know that no matter what tragedy happens, God is going to be able to take care of it. But maybe that scares you. Because the next question is this. Does God love me? I mean, if God is really good, 
then how could a good God love me? Because I'm the furthest thing from good. I'm selfish. I'm insecure. I'm conniving. I lie. I cheat. I steal. I just worry about me. I don't even know if I love me. So how can God love me? Man, if that's you, I understand. It's a tough question. It made it so easy. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Does he love you, though? Not globally. I'm talking you. Do you know in your soul that you are loved by God, warts and all? If you don't know this, fear will lie to you. It's the first thing that will pop up. See, I told you God doesn't love you. That happened to you because God doesn't love you. You're going through this because God doesn't love you. we got to wrestle with it. If we get those two down, we feel pretty confident in those two, then we get to the third question. And the third question is this. Can I trust God to guide my life? Now that seems so simple, but this is the clutch question. Because this is the one we really struggle with. Do you trust God with all aspects of your life? You just let go of the reins and say, you go wherever you want to go, God. You got it. Yeah, we do when things are going well. Oh, man, I'm following God. He's blessing me. I got a new job, got a new house, got a new car, dating somebody. Oh, God's so good. What happens when those things aren't going that way? Maybe I need to take back over the wheel. Or maybe you never really let it go. This is the clutch question. This is the question that tells us, really, what do we think about question one and question two? Because we can lie to ourselves about question one and question two, but when we get to this one and we really see, is God controlling our life? Is God, we're okay with God guiding our life? If we're not, why? I refer you back to question one and question two. Because if God loves you and God is good, why would you not let him control and run your life? These are the questions we have to wrestle with. And these are the questions that cause us to stay up at night. Not the thing that we run in. Yes, that fear is there. But if you can say yes to all of these, why do you have the fear? God goes on, and the story goes on and says this. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, and he, and he wrestled with the man. So, paint you the picture. Two men are wrestling. They've been wrestling all night long. Finally, um, the God-man reaches over and touches the hip of Jacob, and he crushes his hip. All right? I'm going to tell you something. God does not fight fair in the ring. And if you've ever wrestled an old person, you know that that's the way it goes. You have respect for the old person. They have no respect for you. They will hurt you. Okay? What does this mean? It means this. You cannot walk into the ring with God and be the same. Because God breaks us in the ring. He breaks us in the ring. And he does it by asking us questions we don't want to answer. 
He does it by asking us questions we try and avoid through Netflix, through alcohol, through drugs, through relationships. He points us to the questions that we're afraid to answer, and he keeps coming at them and keeps coming at them and keeps coming at them until you break. He asks you things like this. Why are you so scared? Am I not big enough to handle what you're going through? Can I not fight the battle that you're going through? Well, God, yeah, you, you can. Then why are you scared? Then he screams to us. And this is the one that when I talk to people over and over again, and they tell me they're in the ring, this is the thing, the one voice they hear over and over again, trust me, trust me, trust me. Not, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to show you that for you. No, trust me, trust me. Then he asks you questions like this. If your plans don't work out the way you had designed them to work out, if things don't follow through the way you hoped they would follow through, but you have me, am I enough? Am I enough? Or is there something else you need? That's a tough question. That's a question I try and avoid. But he doesn't let us in the ring. He breaks us in the ring. And if we have to stay in the ring and not run away from the questions. Because if we run away from the questions, we'll keep having fear and we'll keep having doubt and we'll keep having bitterness and all the things that we're going through. But if we'll stay in the ring and we're willing to face our fears and get gut level honest with ourselves, we'll find something. I'm going to tell you on my own personal life. Back in the first part of this church, when we first got this building over here, we started renovating it. And if you've ever renovated something, you know that uh, things pop up you weren't expecting. About $130,000 worth of stuff popped up we weren't expecting. And we were at a time, we were young. It wasn't there. The money wasn't there. And part of my job is to oversee the finances and oversee things like that. And so I was the one that got to call our contractor and say, hey, man, we don't get the money. I'm hoping, to do, I'm hoping something comes about next month. Hey, we don't got the money. Man, talking about gut-wrenching, talking about wrestling with God. We thought we were doing everything he was wanting us to do. One day in prayer, he says, hey, whose church is this? Yours? Whose bills are those? Uh, yours? Who's got the resources for this? You do. Then why are you worried? Stop fretting and go love people like I told you to. We've got to get honest with how we really feel and what's going on. The story goes on to say this. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and overcome. Jacob walked in the ring looking for um, a guarantee that his brother would not kill him. 
That's a pretty clear thing that he wanted. God, show me somehow that you are going to take care of me. He never thought in a million years that God would give him a name. Like, that seems pretty weak, doesn't it? An army, maybe? Like a band of angels showed up? No, you got a name. This is enough for Jacob. Jacob had been broken. This name meant everything to Jacob. This name meant God loves you. This name meant God is good. This game meant everything I've promised you, I will follow through. You just got to trust me. There's power in a name. We walk into the ring looking for Jacob. God, give me a miracle. God, show me a sign. God, I need you to show up in a big way for this. And when we wrestle with those questions, we come down to the same thing Jacob got. We walk away with a name. That name brings power. That name brings belonging. And that name is daughter. And that name is son. When we really come to grips with these three questions, we come away knowing that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that if He is on our side, we have nothing to fear. We have no reason to hold on to bitterness. We have no reason to hold on to anger. We have no reason to hold on to shame. We have a name. And that name says we belong to a God who is good and a God who loves us. Power in a name. So how do we come to this point? How do we wrestle with God? This is kind of the real the question here. How do we wrestle with God? Well, there's a couple of things we're going to go through. Number one is we've got to get alone with God. How can you get to know a God that you do not spend quality time with, that you do not know intimately one-on-one? How can you trust someone that you don't know and have not spent time with? You can't. we got to get alone with God. And then we got to check God's references. Let's be honest. What are people saying about God? There's a whole book of them. When you pick up the Bible, you don't need to just read it to read it. In this time right now, you need to find out who, how God was working in the people he cared about. What was he doing in their life? Did he show up? Could they trust him? We need to read with a purpose. Just like we're trying to buy a refrigerator and we're trying to figure out the best one that it is, you go to the references to find out. You're buying something more than a refrigerator. you got to get to know, can you trust God? And you do it through the lives of people who've already done it. Here's the crazy thing. When you start doing that, you'll start realizing how he has been protecting you, guiding you, taking care of you when you didn't even know it and you weren't even asking for it. Lastly, you've got to start a conversation. It's not lastly. I've got one more. You've got to start a conversation. And what do I mean by that? 
you got to start talking to him day in and day out. When you're in the midst of a battle and you're trying to answer these questions and you're trying to figure it out, you have got to get gut-level honest and have a conversation with God. It doesn't end with amen. It's just a period for when we pick this thing back up again. And here's what I'll tell you is going to happen. If you'll do this, if you'll get gut-level honest with him, if you will stay in prayer, you will have a closeness with God you've never experienced before. He will be so real. He will sit in the room with you. And I'm not talking ghosts and things like that. I'm talking exactly what it is. You will feel his presence in the room with you, and it is thick. And I wish, and I beat myself over, that I've had those experiences in the middle of my pain and in my darkest moments. And I wish I could have that same experience when things are going well. But somehow the pain drives me to the focus and he shows up. But you've got to have the conversation. You've got to stay in the ring until you really wrestle these questions down. To where you really know that no matter what happens, he is good. And he loves you. And you can trust him. And the last one is this. We have to accept what God gives us. This one's tough. And you know why it's tough? We see how what God gives to everybody else. God, I want you to do the same miracle for me that you did for them. I want to show you to show up in my life like you showed up in their life. The problem is, God doesn't do the same miracle twice. He's vastly more creative than that. And so if you keep hoping for somebody else's miracle, you're going to miss out on what he's doing in your life how he is providing for you in a uniquely and rich way that's just as powerful as their miracle. But you got to accept it. And for so many of us, we can't move past this because we have in our mind that God is going to do this. Because I saw in Scripture, he did this. Yes, he did for them. What's he going to show up and do for you? Are you not worth your own special miracle? Let's open up our eyes to what he is doing. I never got healed of dyslexia. But at 26, God started showing me, because my brain has to work a little bit different way than everybody else's, I see things a little bit differently. And because of that, it's helped me get ahead. What is, was my greatest struggle has now become my secret weapon. I'm no longer ashamed of my dyslexia. Matter of fact, when people ask me, how do you see that? I go, it's just the way my brain works. Too bad, so sad. Yours didn't work bad. <laughs> but here's the deal. God showed me that my dyslexia was never going to hold me back. And if I would trust him... He could take me places I never imagined. I never once believed when I was a kid in high school I would be standing on the stage talking to you, reading this teleprompter in a million years. But when I let go of the reins and I started trusting him, he took me places I could never imagine. And he wants to do the same for you. 
His plan for your life is vastly greater than you could ever imagine, than you could ever dream of. And the reason we don't hold on to it is because we don't trust Him. And we don't trust Him because we don't know that He's good, and we don't know that He loves us. Deep down in our soul. And if we will get in the fight, because here's this really scary thing. Your bitterness, your anger, your rage, your fear, your anxiety will not just rob you of your future. It will rob you of your now. Many of you who are going through this know there's a a problem between you and your family members because of your fear, because of your anger, because of your bitterness. You're no longer functioning at your work the way you were because of your anxiety. Fear robs you of your life, not your future. You'll never have a future if you keep holding on to your fear. It doesn't have to be that way. Because the God of the universe, who knows everything, who can do everything, is on your side. We'll just let him. We'll just trust him. I love the next part of this story. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Talking to the man he's wrestling. Then the man who was wrestling him blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it is because I saw God's face, face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob never knew he wrestled that night. But we do. There's only been one man who's been fully man and fully God, and that's Jesus. Jacob was wrestling Jesus that night, and Jacob is who, and Jesus is who we wrestle. We step into the ring with Jesus. He's walked in our shoes. He's felt pain. He's felt loss. He knows exactly what we are feeling, exactly what we are going through. But here's also what he knows. He loved you so much that he went to a cross so that you could have freedom, so that you could trust him. The person you're in the ring with gave their life so that you could have life. He's not wrestling against you. He's wrestling for you. All he wants you to do is trust him. Trust him. How do you know when it's okay to get out of the ring? How do you know when the battle is over? When you can truly say, God, you're enough. You're enough. No matter what happens in the situation, you're enough. I believe if I have you, I have everything. When we stop holding on to our fear and we stop holding on, start holding on to him, it's time to walk out. It's time to start feeling his strength. It's time to start walking in to the life he has planned for us. The story ends 
And this is my favorite line. The sun rose above him as he passed Pinnell, and he was limping because of his hip. When we start trusting God, when we say, you're enough, we stop hiding our fears. We stop hiding our limps. Our battle scars become our story. Our battle scars draw people to us. People are more attractive to those who have battle scars than those who are perfect. It's your battle scars that give you interest. It's the story that draws people to you so that you can point people to Him. And when we trust God, we don't let, mind letting people see our battle scars. We don't mind letting people know our story. We don't mind sharing our hard times. Because what we know is that we're loved. That we can trust. And that our God is good. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.